It is good to be here in the house of the Lord to worship with you, God's people, as we gather in his, to his presence and hear the sound of his voice as he speaks to us his word. The question that we have before us as we enter into uh, our continued study of Hebrews is, are we listening? Listening is an interesting thing, is it not? Because we can listen and hear and still not be hearing. We can hear words, we can hear music, we can hear sounds about us and still not hear those things, not be listening. The Oxford and Cambridge dictionaries both define listening as this, to give attention to someone or something in order to hear him or her. Listening as a word in our English language means to hear a sound. You are hearing the sound of my voice right now, whereas the act of listening is so much more. The act of listening involves thinking, Yes, thinking, folks. Understanding. It involves sometimes empathy and reaching in to the one that you are listening to and engaging with them so that you come alongside them, the one that is speaking. How well do we listen? How well do you listen? What do you listen to? Whom do you listen to? Is your listening selective? As so much of our listening can be. You know, when we want to listen to someone or something, at least I make provisions to listen. I want to listen to uh, some music on iTunes. I have to download that music. I have to prepare my phone or my iPad and that device that I'm listening. If you have a CD, you have to find the CD and put it in the CD player and turn it on and listen. If you want to listen to the news, what do you do? You tune your radio or your TV or your electronic device to that station, to that area where the news is being broadcast and you have to turn up the volume and you prepare to listen. You want to listen to a missionary who's speaking across the world in a critical situation overseas. We make arrangements to listen through email or through FaceTime or through Zoom meetings. We want to listen to our favorite novelist, listen to an audio book. Well, you can't do that without a device that downloads that information, and you listen. On and on that goes. We prepare, do we not, to listen to things outside of this room. We make plans for our listening. We buy things, we go places, and we make sure that we are not distracted so that we can listen attentively. How does all this compare to our listening to God's word. Listening to that word as he speaks to us through his son, who is the living word. Do you prepare to listen to him? 
See, Hebrews is a sermon I have proposed to you. Really a sermon more than a letter. And a sermon that people had to listen to. Hebrews, as I have mentioned in previous weeks, is a message with a single theme. Fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, where we see him with hearts of faith right now. That we might persevere through that faith as we trust wholly and completely in the one who is our great high priest as he intercedes for us right now. See, this sermon... The series that is before us began where the writer of Hebrews presented some doctrinal statements. And many times we hear that D word, doctrine, and our ears disengage. We quit listening. But it is that very doctrine upon which our doing is established and practiced. This summary statement that we found in Hebrews, the first four verses, was supported by biblical text in verses 5 through 14. Text taken from the Old Testament, supporting the doctrine that this writer of Hebrews was presenting to us. And now we find, as we move ahead into chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, he's moved from exposition to exhortation. From preaching to practice. From doctrine to doing. And he does so with his words, these words. He says, we must pay careful attention. Oh, we must listen. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, as we read these four verses here this morning in preparation to hear God's word. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us By those who heard. God also testifying with them. Both by signs and wonders. And by various miracles. And by gifts of the Holy Spirit. According to his own will. The grass withers. Flowers. They fade and fall. But these words of our Lord God. Endure forever. Heavenly Father. Almighty God. Our Gracious Lord, may we 
each and every one here in this place this morning. Hear the sound of your voice speaking to us with power and authority from your words. These words that are before us that we might see and know that you are gracious and good to us and have not left us or forsaken us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Notice the first three words here in our English Bibles. For this reason. For this reason, the writer says, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. I do a lot of reading. One of the little books that I came across in previous reading sessions was entitled Quaint Sayings of Welsh Preachers. Published in another century, in 1910, it reads this way in this portion. Many years ago, a Welsh minister began his sermon and leaned over the pulpit and said with a solemn air, Friends, I have a question to ask. Friends, I have a question to ask. I can't answer it. You can't answer it. And if an angel from heaven were present, he could not answer it. Well, like there is right now, there was death-like silence that reigned over that congregation. Every eye was fixed on the preacher as it is now. And he proceeded and he said, this question is this. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great Salvation. I mean, the insinuated answer is there is no escape. So listen up. See, we're no longer listening to a theological argument about the comparative glory of angels and the Son of God. Now the, the author, the writer of Hebrews, has brought all these facts home to us with pinpoint accuracy and laser focus and asks, Are you listening? And if you're listening, are you paying attention? Because if we neglect such a great salvation, there is only this, the expectation that you will receive your just reward at the hands of the living God who is a consuming fire. This is a message that this writer comes back to over and over again in Hebrews, the 13 chapters. In every chapter division, but two chapters, this writer of Hebrews uses the words, therefore. Or, for this reason, you might see it in our English translations. Therefore, And many of you have heard that that word, therefore, you must ask the question, what is this there for? 
The passage ahead, the passage behind, in what context are these words spoken? Because when we see, therefore, as it is written here, for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what has been said. Because the entire message of the gospel is a message that hardly anyone wants to hear. Really hear. It's a message that includes a message of salvation and God's grace that is true, but a message that begins with our sin and condemnation and death. We find that message in the Old Testament. We find it in the New. We find this message here given to a church group of people. Notice, he's not speaking to the world. He's speaking to a group of people who call themselves Christians. And he's saying, pay attention. Listen. Because if you do not, There is a danger of drifting away from such a great salvation. So he says, listen up. You've heard that phrase, haven't you? Listen, listen up. The first duty and the first responsibility of those who have ears to hear is to listen up, to pay attention, much closer attention to what we have heard even though we may have heard it over and over and over again. God's Word is new to us every morning. Great is His faithfulness. You see, there is an art to listening. I was introduced to this idea of engaging listening, attentive listening, Back in the 8th grade in Greenville, Mississippi, when a reading program was introduced to the public school there, uh, I believe it was called SRA, and I don't remember exactly what the the scholastic uh, aptitude reading or something. It was there to prepare us for uh, standardized testing. And I remember to this day, the first thing the teacher wrote on the board in listening was to look at the one who is speaking. Listening. She said, even if you're not paying attention, look at the one who is speaking. Because if you're not watching the one you're speaking, you're going to stray in your thinking. Jesus said, if anyone has ears to hear, we all have ears to hear, right? We all hear things, but are we listening? He says, let him hear, if you have ears to hear. The writer here literally says, because of all this, is it exceedingly necessary? And he piles uh, adverbs and adjectives all on together here in the Greek that we give heed to what we have heard. Listen with ears to hear. 
Listen attentively, and this is not an option that we are only to do when we find ourselves in trouble or facing difficulty. We're praying and we're trying to to hear God's will for us and listen. He's not talking to these people who think that they are especially spiritual. He's not speaking only to those who have to, to stand up in pulpits and prepare sermons or Sunday school lessons. He's speaking to all of us. Every one of us, are we listening? And to make it more personal, let me just say, are you listening? Are you paying attention? One of the great burdens of this message that is here before us is that we who hear will see how serious it is that we listen and we listen carefully and attentively to Jesus who is the living Word. And what are words there for? Words are there to be spoken. And we read them. But they are spoken. He's speaking. Are we watching? Fixing our eyes upon Him and listening attentively? The first command of this book is not go do something for Jesus. What is it? Listen to Him. Listen to Him. Pay attention because the Gospel must be taken seriously. Pay attention so you don't drift away from it. Pay attention so you don't neglect such a great salvation. He says in chapter 2, verse 2, For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. Now he's referring to uh, the Old Testament giving of the law through Moses. There was some thought there, as he references here, that that word was passed along to God's people through God's heavenly messengers, angels. And he says, since every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we, this side of the cross, escape if we neglect so great salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed, the writer says, to us by those who heard. So, listen up. Lest you drift Away And the idea of drifting away that occurs here and so many times in this sermon is a word that only occurs here in the New Testament in Hebrews. We can look at the word, how it's used outside of the Bible. And in biblical writing, outside other biblical writing, this biblical writing, this idea meant to flow from alongside. To let the current of water carry you away from a fixed point through carelessness and unconcern. It doesn't take much energy to drift away. You just sit there. Take your boat or your kayak and go down to Vicksburg, out into the middle of the Mississippi River, between now and the end of May. And I guarantee, in order for you to go upstream, 
you're going to have to exert a great deal of energy. You want to go north? It's going to take a lot of effort. If you want to go south, just sit there and drift away. You see, our Christian lives are much like someone sitting in the middle of the Mississippi River in a small watercraft. We want to go upriver in our Christian lives. What does it take? In this world that we live in, it takes a lot of effort. It takes careful living. It takes listening carefully to the Word of God. But if we want to go south, drift along with the world, what do you do? You just sit there. Don't need to pay much attention. You just drift away. The author of Hebrews is not so much concerned about someone who's going to reject the gospel message here. He's more concerned with those who have received the gospel message. And he says, pay attention. Listen up. Lest you drift away. Because in the Christian life, there is no standing still. There is no sitting in our our watercraft in the middle of this world doing nothing. That's the point here. When it comes to the gospel, this great salvation, there's no standing still. The life we live in this world is not Lake Placid. It's a roaring river. And it's a river flowing rapidly in one direction. So, what do we do? Pay attention. Listen up, lest you drift away. Listen up, he says, so you don't fall into neglect. How do we know how to live our lives? I've mentioned in previous uh, times here before you that our only rule for faith and practice is this word. The Word of God that is before us in the Old and the New Testament, our only rule for faith and practice. So he says, listen up so you don't fall into neglect. Here's a message, he says, that was declared at first by the Lord and confirmed to us by those who heard it. It was given to us, he said, by God as he showed us signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. He's asking us to listen carefully to the word that is living. Hebrews 4.12 It's a passage that we're probably all very familiar with and some maybe have even memorized this. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrows and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the hearts. Pay attention! Because the Gospel is serious business. It's a message of life and death. And so this writer reminds us that those who hear need to pay attention. 
We need some confirmation too that what we have here is reliable information that we know we need to listen to. So he says, look at these people who have heard it from Jesus, who have told us. Where Jesus has, has said His Word and expressed His Word in times past and as He says here in present times through signs and miracles and wonders. A message confirmed by those signs and miracles and wonders. So many people get caught up in those signs and miracles and wonders and put their faith in those. But what is a sign? What is a miracle? What is a wonder? Something that Jesus has done in the context of His miracles that was intended to point to God, His Father. Not that people would trust in those signs and wonders and miracles. Because the hope that we have is an anchor for our soul. And where is that hope anchored? In the one who is the anchor of our soul, our Savior Jesus Christ, at the right hand of God the Father, both sure and steadfast. And one which enters within the veil. So the writer here says, Listen up, pay attention. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received just punishment, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? You see what he does here. And I taught uh, logic at one point in time to, believe it or not, 7th and 8th graders. And I mean, they, they listened and they were very engaged as I tried to engage them in, in all of the, uh, the arguments of, of logic. There is an argument that is described as one from the lesser to the greater. In other words, if something in a small amount is true, we can argue that something of the same substance in a greater amount is equally true, if not greater true. Jesus uses these sorts of arguments in Luke 11, verses 9 through 13, where he argues that if a human father who is sinful, evil, knows how to give good things to his children, how much more, he says, Will your heavenly Father give you good and precious and good things? The writer here is not saying that the words in the Old Testament are inferior in any way to the New Testament. He's not saying the Old Testament is a book of the law and the New Testament is a book of grace and we must focus upon the New Testament alone. We hear both the old and the new. The law is gracious. To us. And God is gracious to all those who come to Him through Jesus Christ. 
So the writer here is saying that if the word of God's grace spoken through the word of the law in the Old Testament through the mediation of the angels was valid, binding, and unchallengeable, and that every infraction of that law received just punishment, then how much more should God's word finally given to us through the living word, Jesus Christ, spoken through his Son, be listened to and obeyed? Listen up, people. Jesus himself said it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for those who turn away from the gospel. And here's the message of the gospel that so many do not want to listen to today. How will we escape if we go on neglecting such a great salvation, drifting by in our apathy and our listlessness, listening to everything in the world except the one who is most important, becoming distracted by every theological wind of doctrine. We run the risk of drifting away and not finishing the race. Now we'll, we'll talk about Perseverance, because we do believe, I do believe with all of my heart, because Scripture says so, that God preserves those He calls. He calls us to persevere, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, to attend to every means of grace that we have available to us. That is reading of the Scriptures listening to the Word, participating in the sacraments, and oh, how we look forward to that time when in the next few weeks we will once again gather around the Lord's table and participate in that means of grace. Prayer is a means of grace. How many neglect those things? And by neglect, drift away from this great salvation. This great salvation, and we might say this salvation is great because it is an effectual work of our triune God. By God the Father's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we are saved. But we must not forget that the gospel also addresses that moral responsibility of each one who has ears to hear, that we do not neglect such a great salvation, that we take care that it is not anyone among us, an evil and unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, that we hold fast our confession of our hope of the great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God. And we hold fast to Him without wavering as we work out that salvation that He has given to us with fear and trembling. For the assurance of salvation, our salvation, of your salvation is not found in yourself. That assurance... That hope eternally anchored in Jesus Christ is found in Him on whom we have our eyes fixed. 
You know, like in that eighth grade class where that Miss Culpepper was her name, I just remembered, uh, was, was teaching us to listen. Focus upon the speaker. Are our eyes focused upon him? The author and perfecter of our, 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 our salvation? Are our ears tuned into him? Or are we just sitting there watching him with glazed eyes and closed ears? Is our hope anchored in him who is the one seated at the right hand of God speaking these words to us? Are you listening? Heavenly Father, O Lord, we do pray that we would hear Not just superficially, Lord. Not just with eyes fixed on Him and our eyes glazed and our ears closed, pretending that we're hearing, but listening. Really listening with ears that hear the message of the gospel. The message that is so full of good news, Lord, that we shout and rejoice of that salvation that we've been given by your grace through faith alone and Christ alone. But a message that nonetheless requires to listen carefully, to pay attention to the words before us, and to be actively engaged in working out our salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that those works that we perform and that you have prepared for us beforehand are not works that save us. The only work that saves us is that sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But Father, we come to you And pray that you would receive us. That you would, Lord, ignite in us a passion, a fire, and a desire to be 100% engaged in these Christian lives that you have called us to. Knowing that we are safe and secure in your hands and in your arms. Through our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.